I want to turn now to a, a source of positive empowerment. We're going to do our segment that we've been developing. It's a new series that we, we do with uh, two individuals who have a lot of uh, background in, in Word, in writing uh, fantastic journalistic pieces, as well as publishing very, very successful books. And those gentlemen are with me now. We're doing trail thoughts. We have Alec Klein, who's a journalist, joining me now. Alec, how you doing? Uh, good, David. How are you? I'm doing well. And we have Eric Campman, who's a publisher with Republic Books, and he's been involved in doing a lot of great uh, publishing efforts in his career. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great, David. Oh, it's great to have both of you on. You know, we call this Trail Thoughts for a reason, because when I first got to be introduced to you, Eric, you were talking about how you loved to hike. You loved going on trails. And I thought, you know, that's something that sounds really good right now in our time, in our culture, where we're fraught with drama, we're fraught with, uh, you know, you know, tensions and so forth. That sounds like literally a breath of fresh air to get out there in the trails. Would you uh, share some thoughts, maybe a story or something from an experience in a trail? Yeah, I'd like to think of um, uh, the trail as part of a bigger story. And so um, several years ago, I was reading this book by John Eldridge called Epic. Epic is a, a massive story, uh, you know, like the Iliad and the Odyssey. But in that book, he had this little quote uh, from uh, Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, and it goes like this. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into, and that's Frodo speaking to Sam as they're trudging some through some adventure that leads to another adventure. But if you read those uh, that trilogy, you're going to see there's kind of an overarching story that kind of ties what seems confusing and and difficult and threatening into something that actually is quite heroic. Um, the other quote I like is from Chesterton. I have always felt life first is a story, and if there is a story, there must be a storyteller. So when I did my first book, which was in fact called Trail Thoughts, uh, I was on the Appalachian Trail. I was section hiking it. Uh, and um, section hiking simply means that I'm not doing the 2,200 mi uh, 2, miles from Georgia to Maine as a single event, but as many separate events with separate stories. But the question is, what ties these stories together? And so I have one that I, I wrote about 20 of these stories, and one I call exposed because all of these unexpected things happen, and really what happens within that is it touches me and t tells me a certain thing about myself uh, that uh, I otherwise wouldn't know if I wasn't put into an extreme situation. So briefly, uh, I set out one day to um, uh, in Virginia to cl in March to climb up to a ridge, and as I get up to this ridge, which is uh, has no trees, just rocks and grass and a pond and so on and so forth, I get into this basically fog bank with clouds. It's raining, 
winds are blowing, and I trudge ahead, hoping to get to the shelter before night, which is about five, six, seven miles ahead of me. So I go on, the wind's blowing hard, so I keep my face down, and suddenly I find I'm going downhill, which the map did not indicate. And that, and because I'm with nobody else, I have nobody to ask. Uh, what, what? Am I in the right place? Did I go by the shelter? And all of these doubts flood into my head. I'm lost. Uh, I go back. Now it's twilight. Now it's dark. Uh, I have a headlamp, but it's refracting uh, particles off of it. And then I, I, I say, well, if I go forward and I pass the shelter, that's another 10 miles. I won't get there till 2 or 3 in the morning, if at all. And so at, at the end of the day, um, I wish I had had a tent. I decided not to bring a tent. I just took out my sleeping bag, put it down on the ground, and got into it, and then hoped for the, the, hope to, you know, hope for the sunrise uh, and, and light. And that eventually came several hours later, and it got that light out. And so I put everything together, and I, I figured the shelter must be ahead. The shelter was a half mile ahead. But right. doubt and fear to a certain extent uh, really it prevented me from going on. But what actually saved me, not that my life was threatened, was my experience. I knew that if I was warm enough, I'd be fine. And so I just got into the sleeping bag and uh, moved ahead. Now, how do you take that story and make it into kind of a bigger story? You don't. It's a, it's a singular story, but it says something about your character. And it also says something because it gives kind of a parallel to things that go on going into your life. Things like that happen to you all the time. You're not necessarily in a train. It could be a missed meeting, a missed phone call, a missed this, a missed that, or something you fear and that is kind of preventing you from acting. So it's just stories like that sort of draw from something extraordinary, like hiking the Appalachian Trail, but they apply back to the ordinary, which is the way we live our life. But behind that is a story that's even bigger than the story, uh, as happened with Sam and Frodo, that you are living through and the question is where are you in that story right i really like that idea of seeing our lives and the reality itself like a story right looking at it as a piece of art looking at it with acts alec do you see anything that resonates with you as a journalist well you know when i listen to eric recount this uh this story I, I'm, I'm reminded about how vulnerable we all are, you know, that uh, no one is immune from suffering, from fear, from doubt, and that even if you're not, you know, hiking a trail, it's, there's still that understanding of, of what he experienced, this, um, you know, sense of being lost and not knowing which way is the right way, I guess. And, and Eric was saying that to some degree he relied on his experience. But I would say that even on top of that, there was a sense of, you know, being still in the moment, you know, because Eric was saying that he, that he stayed in, stayed right in that spot. And when you are being still, to some degree in my mind, that's almost about relying on your faith, you know, on something you can't see, but that you know will get you through the storm, through the, 
the rain and the wind and all the sort of things that are buffeting against us in in those um, difficult moments. So I think it's a great story uh, because of you know what it represents for for all of us uh, when when we go through life. Yeah, it's- one of the things that Alec and I share is we have a conversion story. His is quite different than mine, uh, but. It, 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 it's a certain time of my life I thought that the, the life I was living wasn't even a story. It was just the way life happens. Uh, you get a job, you work your way up the ladder, uh, you're going to make more money. I, I was on sort of a, a, a very normal path, and then suddenly uh, the world you know, collapses around me, uh, partly due to my own decisions, and I am stripped of all pretensions and sort of like superficial identities. And what I did is I turned to God at that moment uh, because I was avoiding that. I thought I was my own strength and that, uh, that God was the way I was taught. You know, God was far away. But what I learned uh, through this episode of my life is God is near. And I saw God operating through very horrendous events, worse than that uh, night on the mountain, uh, that could have actually destroyed my life. And Alec has a similar story. Uh, but uh, basically, the wake-up call can be quite severe sometimes, and sometimes it can be just a little nudge. But... Um, I needed something to wake me up to the reality that I existed in a bigger story that wasn't my own. I was exist I existed in God's story and it took me years to conform my story to God's story and God's intention. Right. Yeah, that's the thing is that folks, you know, when you get a lot of doubt, when you feel like you don't have control of your situation, it's kind of when those when you have those moments that people become closer to an appreciation of being in another story, you know, God's story for their life, right? Well, uh, David, yeah. I was going to say, you know, to some degree it's about, you know, these unexpected troubles that, that we all will encounter along the way. And, and to some degree it's a question of, you know, how do we, how do we respond when, when things have been stripped away from us, when we're, you know, put in a in a tough spot and we're, we don't know uh, where to turn, and and I think what you know Eric is referring to is in some ways, you know, the the sense that there's some sort of purpose in our pain, or that there that there's something beyond ourselves, you know, uh, when we're going through all these difficulties, which again sort of goes back to his his story on on the hike when when he didn't know which way to go because i mean ultimately i suppose you know to take the story further you know the storm will pass right eventually uh and and then the question is you know how do we how do we respond what do we do about that and i think for both eric and and for me you know it was turning to our faith as a as a source of peace and and strength let's take i mean i I like uh, what you said there turning to your base you know uh 
uh, you know, the to think of life as a series of successful episodes that lead to your glory is nonsense. That's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, you know, you're oftentimes in the bog as well as on the mountain. And what I experienced, which I think is by the grace of God and by not my own invention at all, was to strip myself of... Um, my sense that I could correct this on my own, which was kind of like the ethic and the way of life that I had come out of, you know, fix it, you know, and you have the tools. uh, We've given you the tools. We've given you the education. Just go and fix it. And for me at that point in my life, it was an impossibility. I couldn't fix it. It only could become a worse and darker disaster. And it was the, it was turning away from self and towards through the Holy Spirit to Christ that I started on a whole new path, but I started in a funny kind of way, way down at the bottom. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know what it really said. I don't, I, 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 you know, to me, I had to actually reshape my identity. Uh, I did it. And it took a long time to actually come to the realization that, uh, I was existing in a serious story. It just wasn't my own. Let's, let's, let's unpack this idea of identity, because that's a big thing people are thinking about in our time. What's my identity? Who's my true identity? And what does that look like? We're here with Eric Kampman and Alec Klein on Trail Thoughts. We'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> Welcome back to A Neighbor's Choice. We're live across FM and AM in the Sunshine State, or you may be listening on podcast, wherever you find your podcast or live stream. And we're doing Trail Thoughts. This is a new series that we're developing where we hit the trail of life experiences, of stories, and looking at Bible passages and understanding how all these things tie in together to give us insights and wisdom in our lives. To do that, we have Alec Klein and Eric Kampman with us. And I wanted to pick up on this thought that you were saying, Eric. You were talking about an experience that you had hiking the Appalachian Trail, and then you brought it to this thing of identity, you know, and this idea that that allowing God to remake our identity. And that's something people are searching for these days, identity politics, identity culture, identity, identity. Can you go a little further with that? Well, I, uh, uh, when you're talking about uh, identity po- politics or something of that sort, uh, these are usually um, well-trained business consultants who divide the world up into types. Uh, but the thing that I find very um, uh, difficult to accept is the idea that my individual identity gets subsumed into this larger thing that I have really not, nothing or very little to do with. So I don't identify with the identity they've imposed upon me. Uh, I think identity actually is a great conversation that we may want to pick up on next week or the week after next when we're back mm. is, is, is a sense of 
um, so many people have kind of split event uh, identities. There's all you know, something like schizophrenia, which is a, a medical condition. But um, in literature, the double, uh, if you're talking about Edgar Allan Poe, he, 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 he writes several stories about a war going in on within the person, the individual person, about what that identity is. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to Genesis, Basically, that split personality happens in the Garden of Eden, where two masters, one that has been rejected, God, and one who has been accepted, Satan, uh, set the theme for the overall story that is going to come out of the Garden when Adam and Eve leave the Garden. And that conflict, which is war within the human heart for what you believe in, who is... Who do you follow is an ongoing war that happens generation after generation uh, without fail. And for me, I was dying because I was more or less a servant of the master who was trying to destroy me. I mean, that's an externalization. I, I, I never had a conversation with that, but... I, I follow what Paul says in, in Romans 7. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do or ought to do. Hmm. It's a huge um, issue that we all face. Every human being, every male and female, child and adult, has this as part of our own story. And how that works out is, a, is basically within the story of each individual. Alec? Well, I, you know, when as we were talking about identity, I was just thinking about uh, those who really don't have an identity in many ways, and those are prisoners. Uh, I, I speak with prisoners um, frequently as I investigate their cases, either because they were wrongfully convicted or excessively sentenced. And one of the things that really strikes me about identity is how when I talk to inmates, you know, they've lost everything, uh, their families, their children, uh, all possessions, really, and they're, in many cases, left with uh, nothing. And and so when they get to that point, their identity has been so stripped away. Uh, one of the remarkable things that I've discovered is how so many turn to faith, actually, that they find a certain strength in in their faith in God and as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of all different kinds of inmates who, in some cases, have been in prison for 30 years, uh, 25 years or so, uh, and have no uh, idea if they'll ever get out because they're in for life, you know. And and I guess it makes me think about how, you know, in, in a sense, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing to, to, to witness when you see people who have been struggling uh, in a situation like that, but that they're able to find... Uh, an identity through their faith, and and that for me, and I think for for Eric, has has been an important thing in our lives. Well, it's very interesting. I, I really enjoyed this this uh, new experience, this new journey that we've made on Trail Thoughts, and I, I hope to continue this adventure with you, Eric Campman and Alec Klein. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, folks. I'm telling you, there's a lot of interesting things that we can unpack. we got to think outside the box and learn to recover our true identity. I'm David Gronoski. Godspeed.